Well, for the Bruins, in order for them to beat the Huskies offensively, they're going to need the offensive line to step up in a big way. Let's get right to it with Locked On UCLA. Big matchup. 4-0 teams duking it out in the Rose Bowl. Let's hit that music. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, it's your favorite host, Zach Anderson Yoxheimer. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach and Yox. Let's get in the center of the screen there. And you can follow the show at Locked On Bruins for more Locked On UCLA coverage. Again, it's free wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Odyssey, and Apple Podcasts. It's free. You can also go to YouTube, go to Locked On UCLA, like, comment, subscribe, hit that subscribe button as hard as you can, please, and very much thank you. In the meantime, we tell you that this episode is brought to you by Bet Online fastest and easiest way to get your sports wagering information. I believe when I was on Locked On Pac-12, the line was at the moment, I think minus or plus minus three Washington, plus minus two and a half Washington. We'll see if UCLA's home dogs can come through against the number 15th or number 18th ranked Washington Huskies this weekend in a primetime matchup Friday night, just in a day on September 30th to close out the month of September. Hopefully for the Bruins, 5-0. and Either way, there'll be a 5-0 team in the Pac-12 moving forward in one of those teams. We either be cruising up in the top 15 or UCLA with a win could get in the top 20, possibly with the win. In the meantime, Bruin fans, get those hands in the air. It's 8-clap time. And 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, UCLA, UCLA, fight, fight, fight! As we welcome you in once again for UCLA to come through with a successful offensive day. We talked about how defensively in a previous episode that the Bruins are going to be against it. They're trying to slow down a vaunted Washington Husky attack. In the meantime, while the Huskies, they do score 44 points a game, it is up to UCLA's offense to continue their strong, strong output. They've scored just about 41 points per game, close to 42, depending on which way you slice it. They've found ways to dominate running the football, found ways to get things done in the air. The Bruins averaging about 220 rushing yards per game. Meanwhile, they're almost averaging about close to 290 yards through the air, including a big gashing attack against a pretty woeful Colorado team last week in Boulder for the Bruins' first true road game. Again, this is Washington's first true road game of the season. They played all four of their first games at home in Seattle. This is their first true road test in the Rose Bowl Friday night against Pasadena. A lot of social media output from the UCLA Athletic Department to try and get fans in there. So that's nice to see. And hopefully it can help out this UCLA team get some energy and keep the offense firing on all cylinders. So both teams come in averaging over 40 points per game. Could very well be a shootout. It might be up to the offense's job to win this game for UCLA. If the defense cannot slow down Michael Penix Jr., the joke, what, Big Penix energy? Well, it's up for a DTR to come through and be the man to try and lead this team and match the Big Penix energy on the other side. In the meantime, UCLA, for this game to be a successful one for the Bruins, it's all going to hinge on the offensive line. Washington, Washington's defense has been absolutely solid. They've been nothing short of phenomenal. They've been jumping out to big leads in the first quarter of games. 
They're 51 to 7 scoring, outscoring their opponents big time. About 44 points more than their opponents. The, the seven points allowed in the first quarter by the Washington defense is the least in any of the four quarters of football. And the reason why it's the least is because they jump out to such big leads that teams have been chasing from behind for the rest of the game, like Stanford, Michigan State, and so on against the Huskies. So the Bruins, if they get down to a slow start, a Husky defense that already has 15 sacks through four games, led by Braylon Trice, he's got four and a half sacks, seven tackles for loss, and Alfonso Tuputala, who's got three sacks and four and a half tackles for loss. Those two are part of a six different Husky attack that have, a, that have at least a sack or half a sack. And then in terms of tackles for loss, 10 separate Washington Huskies have tackles for loss. Tackle They've gotten a tackle for a loss at some point this season. They've racked them up. They've been dominant. And while you can say they haven't faced a rushing game like UCLA's though so far this season, this is a team that comes in, they'll get you behind the chains, they will make your quarterback feel the pressure, they get after you, and it's a Washington team that comes and attacks. Uh, they, they attack the quarterback. There's no simple way to talk about it. We talk about the Bruins needing to generate pressure. Well, Washington thus far has already proven it in their first four games. It's up to the O-line to keep DTR upright and the, the UCLA offense to continue to go forward. So far for DTR, UCLA, they've only been sacked three times. UCLA's only had three sacks. Again, on the other side, the Huskies have only allowed two sacks, none of them of their starting quarterback. So UCLA's been pretty strong in avoiding the sack, but I think this week UCLA will be dealing with a lot more pressure from the D-line, from the Husky side of things. So can the O-line keep Dorian Thompson-Robinson upright? Can they give him time to throw and give him time to really think at least a moment or two and not force him to get rattled and make a costly turnover and such. The Bruins, for all intents and purposes, cannot turn over the ball tonight, or say on Friday, against the Huskies. They turn over the ball more than once on a defense that's really struggling, you, you would say. I, I mean, you can look at the numbers, but coming in, Washington clearly has a better defense than UCLA, but sometimes on a certain night, guys can step up, make plays, lay out to lot too. Who knows? But... If the Bruins are just going to cough up the football multiple times, this game won't even be competitive, I think, in my personal opinion, uh, against the Huskies. You cough it up, you have to play perfect football and just hope Washington, for some reason, isn't firing on all cylinders. In the meantime, UCLA, keep DTR upright, and maybe, just maybe, just maybe, they, they can... Uh, have a chance to continue to put up 40 points. They put up 45 points three times this season. Not looking likely that they'll do that against Washington, but they could very well, if their offense is going, 30 points, 35 points, and keep pace with the Washington offense on the other side with Kalen DeBoer at the helm, Chip Kelly, just guys who are ready and rearing to go against this Washington side. And before I tell you more about the turnover bug and the turnovers forced by Washington, let's talk to you about bet online bet online is your number one source for your football betting information this season you get all the latest player developments team matchups news and podcasts with in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find as always bet online is your com 
is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, and up-to-minute scores for every sport out there, including Major League Baseball, MMA, bat, boxing, and golf. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events. Head to Bet Online or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we'll tell you about our predictions coming up in on the Friday episode when we, you know, get a little deeper into the matchup about UCLA, what my thoughts are. If you saw Locked on Pac-12, well, you probably saw my thoughts. But for this podcast, we'll we'll tell you a little bit more on that later. Moving forward, Washington's defense so far, we talked about the pressure, 15 sacks. They blitz you right away in terms of the scoreboard, 51-7. to They've outscored teams. They've been dominant in third quarters, too. So coming out of the gate and coming out of the locker room, Washington just punches you in the mouth. And so far, teams have been unable to respond any which way. Can the O-line hold up? That's problem number one for the UCLA Bruins against the likes of the Washington Huskies that only allow 89 rushing yards so far. Two rushing touchdowns in their first four games. The Bruins, who thrive on running the football with the likes of Charbonnet, DTR, and whoever else the Bruins decide to give the football to, like Keegan Jones, maybe Kaz Allen on a trick play, whatever it is. The Bruins have their plethora of options to run the football, and well, maybe the UCLA can d- control the offense, control the line of scrimmage. Can they? That's that's the true test. That is the test this weekend. It, you have Utah the week after, as I mentioned, the physicality test. But this is a true test. Can UCLA in the beginning control the line of scrimmage? Maybe control some time and tempo in this game. But in the end, it's going to be a race to the finish, and it might be, come down to who has the football last. And to avoid those costly turnovers, especially late in games, for Washington, they've forced three fumbles. They've recovered two fumbles. They've had 12 pass breakups and five interceptions. This is one of those games where maybe UCLA fans could say, hey, Bruin fans, ah, let's not be as trusting with Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Because, as I mentioned before, 27 interceptions in 41 career games. He's only... Had one interception so far through four games. Dorian Thompson-Robinson is completing 75% of his passes. So while he isn't going vertical, he's been accurate. He's been hitting his targets. And he's been avoiding, especially since the Bowling Green game passing the ball, he's been avoiding the turnover. We could talk about the South Alabama pitches and the handoffs. But for the most part, DTR has avoided the turnover. A Husky team that... Maybe not the crazy most opportunistic defense in the Pac-12. There's other teams <laughs> who have been getting crazy amounts of interceptions. In the meantime, Washington, they've got five picks so far through their first four games. So if you throw up a floating duck, well, they'll they'll bring it down and they'll take it and feast it the other way and turn it into points. A team that is better at getting points off turnovers than the Bruins have proven so far this season. But the most part, you cannot cough up the football. Any turnovers... In this game, especially more than one, will put the you know the right the nail in the coffin, writing you know whatever it is, it, it'll be all said and done. Two turnovers for UCLA in this game, and barring a complete meltdown from the Huskies, UCLA their fate will be sealed against Washington. It's one thing to be facing pressure, battling against an O line that will be dealing with a, a good Washington front, a team that's going to put in pressure, but if you compound the issue with getting behind the chains getting third and long, second and longs, as opposed to second and six, third and two, second and short, whatever it may be. If UCLA 
keeps getting behind the chains, has to go deep down the field. A team that hasn't proven to be able to go vertical this year on a consistent basis without some key help with it, without some key help and key mistakes from the opposition. If UCLA has to go vertical, well, Washington will and can make the Bruins pay. So it's key for the Bruins to win the offensive line and most importantly, avoid the turnover at all costs. Again, I tell you, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is playing a lot better than all you at home may want to give him credit for. The 6'1 redshirt senior from Vegas coming from Bishop Gorman. Let's go over DTR's numbers. Let's talk about this. In his most recent game, 83% completion percentage against Colorado. The second time this season he's had a game where he's completed over 80% of his passes, almost completed 75% of his passes against Bowling Green despite the one pick, has yet to have a 300-yard passing game. He's only thrown for 896 yards, but for the most part, you look at the numbers, 75% completion percentage. He's got eight touchdowns to one interception so far this season, and he's rushed for 170 yards with a long of a 68-yard touchdown run against Bowling Green. So while we want the flashy, dynamic DTR, this might be the game where the Bruins ask him to be the flashy guy. There's a couple of times I think I noticed in that Colorado game, he kept giving it on the on the read option, the, the zone read, just handing it off. When he had, if he could tuck, if he could have tucked it and ran against Colorado, he could have done that. I know Washington will be a little bit more ready and primed to go against both options, whether it be Charbonnet and DTR. But very well, DTR is you don't want to say an X factor because he's already extremely important, but he he is the guy that if he puts up offense on both sides, if he does so many things, passing the football, running the football, could be one of those games where he gets 100 yards rushing. I don't know. That's that's the type of day the Bruins might need just to keep pace with the team on the other side if, say, Michael Penix Jr. and company score a lot of points and points and points. That's what it might need. And an X factor, I think, there's two X factors here. The carry total, the, the workload of Zach Charbonnet will be interesting to see for the UCLA offense in this one. How many carries? Last week, nine carries, 100 yards, three touchdowns, almost 12 yards per carry, an absurd number. How many carries do they give Charbonnet? Because remember, we've seen, what, back in the day, Maurice Jones-Drew or Maurice, you know, MJD, technically as he's known now, uh, he went crazy and against a, a Washington team at a big comeback years ago, right? It is Throwback Thursday, but we're not talking football today on a Throwback Thursday segment. We remember when, you know, Maurice went crazy. We could talk about, you know, whether it's Charbonnet getting a big pitch count or Deshaun Foster, who had some big games. But for UCLA, it's going to come down to, can DTR be dynamic? How many runs will Charbonnet get? How many carries? How many touches will he get? And I say an intriguing X factor is, can Kaz Allen make a big play? We haven't seen so much of him lately. Can Kaz Allen break out, get that big, quick touchdown run, and get the Bruins on the scoreboard like that at any point, maybe once, more than once, kickoff return? Can Kaz Allen make something happen once, if not more than once this week. So I guess two big things, avoid the turnover, O-line needs to stand up, and then individually, can DTR be that dynamic player we know he can be? Leaping over defenders, 360 tumbling over everybody, flashing to the students saying, let's go, let's go, look, UCLA number one. And then, you know, workload of the likes of Zach Charbonnet, and then Kaz Allen, can he be dynamic? Those are the things I'm looking forward to moving forward.
But that's all we're talking about with the UCLA offense. We'll talk predictions in our final episode of the week. And don't forget, Friday nights, after the UCLA-Washington game, we will have an immediate postcast, an immediate reaction, an episode to the UCLA game against Washington following that game. It'll be late at night, I know, but go check it out. Moving forward, it's time for our Throwback Thursday segment. I know it's your, your favorite segment at home if you're listening, if you're watching on YouTube. Your favorite segment is we, we kind of move from the gridiron back to the hardwood, and we talk about Greg Lee. We, we didn't really touch on this last week, but um, unfortunately, Greg Lee, he passed away at the age of 70, a part of some legendary Bruins teams. He was he passed away September 22nd. So he passed away a week ago. We had posted our episode before um, the news broke. And I figured with the Throwback Thursday segment, might as well go over his career. UCLA posted the tribute to him. And he was a part of the, the legendary John Wooden days, Greg Lee, who on September 22nd, 2022, passed away at the age of 70. But in terms of celebration, let's talk about all the great things he was a part of in his academic, athletic career as a Bruin in post-UCLA. So starting with Greg Lee in high school, it said he was a valedictorian at Reseda High School and also a two-time Los Angeles City Player of the Year award winner in his junior and senior seasons, and thus led him to UCLA, an L.A. kid, an L.A. guy, to UCLA during the John Wooden era, where the Bruins had already won four titles in a row before he got there. It's key. That was in the midst of their seven in a row. He was a freshman when UCLA, Greg Lee was, when they won their fifth in a row. But back then, if you remember all the legendary stories, freshmen were not eligible to play with the varsity squad. Greg Lee having to play on a freshman team with the likes of Bill Walton and that freshman team dominated. They went 20-0, but they were not a part of the championship winning team technically. Next year, UCLA with Bill Walton, I believe Jamal Wilkes, and everything in between with UCLA, they had the likes of Bill Walton, Wilkes, and Greg Lee, were, who were fantastic, all averaging 17, 18 points per game during their freshman seasons. They, they moved up to the varsity level and in their sophomore and junior seasons for Greg Lee and company with the Bruins in 1971-72, and in 1972 to 73, back to back unbeaten seasons to lead to the fifth or to the sixth and seventh championships in a row for John Wooden and company with UCLA. And of course, that was in the midst of that lengthy men's basketball D1 level winning streak that went up to 88 games that Greg Lee was a part of that team. For UCLA, Greg Lee, he was a guy who like was a starting point guard, one of the guys, more of a facilitator, a 6'4 guy who was a starting facilitator, three-time academic All-America selection. Well, two-time varsity starter doing those two championships runs, part of an 88-game winning streak in that midst of it that eventually led to them falling against Notre Dame, as much as we don't want to talk about that, on January 19, 1974, 71-70. The Bruins eventually lost to NC State in double overtime in the tournament in 74, and that capped Greg Leak's career. But something funny I thought that was interesting to note, if you include 
Lee and Walton and all that, if you include their freshman year where they went 20-0, then you include their two unbeaten regular and NCAA championship winning seasons the next couple of years where they went 30-0 and 30-0. That totals up to 80. And then the first 13 games of the 1973 to 1974 season for UCLA, they won their first 13 games for losing to Notre Dame. That means Greg Lee, before he suffered his first loss as a collegiate basketball player, was 93-0. Could you imagine that? 93-0 dating to his freshman team days. Two championships in which in that NCAA championship in 1973, he had a team-high 14 assists in the game against Memphis State where UCLA won going away, which was their seventh title in a row. And, of course, you can all remember that for Bill Walton going 21 for 22 and uh, a significant effort with Walton putting in, uh, I believe, uh, 44 points in that important game. But as we're talking Greg Lee here in the 87-66 win over Memphis State, the seventh straight title win in the 1973 title mat- title game, 14 assists, 34 minutes, and a three-time academic All-America selection, part of the, the greatest era of UCLA basketball history as they try to get build and build just to recapture some of that magic with Mick Cronin, with all the guys they're bringing now in their recent Final Four run. That's what they're trying to capture now. But, you know, even though Greg Lee was a part of a couple of championship teams, an undefeated freshman season, a heartbreaking, heart-wrenching loss to NC State, the eventual champions, losing in double overtime in 1974. But UCLA, they still found a way. You know, they saw Greg Lee. He left, was drafted, you know, was drafted part of two championship teams, was drafted in the seventh round of the 1974 NBA draft by the Atlanta Hawks. Yes, that's when the draft was a lot more than just two rounds like it is today. Seventh round draft pick by the Hawks. Eventually played in the ABA with the Portland Trailblazers for a hot minute with uh, Bill Walton. Played out in Germany, you know, for some seasons, but was known quite a bit for being a professional beach volleyball player after college throughout the 1970s. In open tournaments, he played in 39 tournament finals, winning 29 of them. Greg Lee, a part of a solid professional beach volleyball career on the circuit through the 1970s. His first open title, his first open, he played out in Laguna Beach in 1972, and later in 1972, when he was a beach volleyball player, he played in Santa Barbara. So, basketball player turned into a a successful beach volleyball career, 62 open tournaments, as I said, 39 finals, 29 titles, along a fellow Bruin who played volleyball at UCLA, a duo that was together from 1973 to 1982. Jim Menges, they won 25 of 30 tournaments together, solid, played for the San Diego Conquistadors, and then was just fantastic. Went to Germany, had a Played in Germany, played in the ABA, successful beach volleyball career, and the likes of Greg Lee got it done. Remember, valedictorian, as I mentioned in high school, got it done academically, got it done successfully athletically in college, very successful pro career, being able to play professional basketball, and a very, very successful beach volleyball career. At the end, he finished his athletic career, had a teaching credential from UCLA, and became a math teacher at Claremont High School coaching basketball and tennis. And in the end, he he lived a, a great life 
being led by the coach John, legendary coach John Wooden, two national championships, a part of the, the legacy of the 88 straight wins, getting the sixth and seventh championships in a row, successful, you know, 29 open tournament wins, beach volleyball-wise, playing with Bruins, representing the Bruins well, as Greg Lee was, uh, you know, a solid Bruin, as he unfortunately did pass away at the age of 70. So in remembrance of him, a great Bruin, a great remembrance of the old guard, a UCLA player who starter a couple years in those championship runs, three-year varsity letter winner, and a 93-0 start to his college basketball career as a Bruin before losing to Notre Dame. He had a just a solid career as we throw it back to a, a team, an era that we all like to remember with UCLA basketball and just one of those legendary figures. You know, you can look at the Bill Waltons, the, the Lou Alcindor's Doors, and now Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, everybody who has the big name, but Greg Lee certainly played a part amongst many Bruins who played a part during those legendary years. So he passed away September 22nd, 2022 at the age of 70. And we, we salute you. We thank you. And, uh, you know, go Bruins as we wrap up this episode of Locked On UCLA. Go make Locked On Pac-12 your second listen today with Spencer McLaughlin. I was on the episode recently talking UCLA Washington, so go check that out. In the meantime, this is going to wrap up this Locked On UCLA episode. You know, go like and comment on subscribe on YouTube. Throwback Thursdays. Tell me some suggestions. We can talk about it, you know, for future episodes. In the meantime, we remember Greg Lee as we wrap up Locked On UCLA. Get those hands up for one final eight clap as one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, U, C, L, A. UCLA fight, fight, fights. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.